Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because, you know, if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps, because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. The Angie's List you know and trust is now Angie, and we're so much more than just a list. We still connect you with top local pros and show you ratings and reviews, but now we also let you compare upfront prices on hundreds of projects and book a service instantly. We can even handle the rest of your project from start to finish. So remember, Angie's List is now Angie, and we're here to get your job done right. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today. Angie's List is now Angie, and we've heard a lot of theories about why. I thought it was an eco-move. Fewer words, less paper. No, it was so you could say it faster. No, it's to be more iconic. Must be a tech thing. But those aren't quite right. It's because now you can compare upfront prices, book a service instantly, and even get your project handled from start to finish. Sounds easy. It is, and it makes us so much more than just a list. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today. Alexa, who is Adam Ferrara? Adam Ferrara is an American actor and comedian known for playing the roles of Chief Needles Nelson on Rescue Me, Sergeant Frank Virelli opposite Edie Falco on Nurse Jackie. He was a co-host on the U.S. version of Top Gear. He has had three Comedy Central specials and his new album is called It's Scary in Here. Adam's new podcast is a big hit and available everywhere. Sounds like it could be funny. Sounds to me like 30 minutes you'll never get back. Hi guys, thank you for joining us for the first time or checking us out again. Either way, we're glad you're here and we have a great show for you this week. My guest in the ADD interview is the author of the book, Get Ready. He is also the 2017 Jeopardy champion. It's Buzzy Cohen. And we want to welcome everyone from our Talk To Me Tuesday family, which is a conversation we have every week. 9 o'clock Eastern, 6 p.m. Pacific. Go to my website, click the link, and join us. And our super fan shout-out is for Sherry Coons. Boys and girls, say hi to Sherry. Hey, Sherry. Hey, Sherry. What's happening, Sherry? Sherry, those voices are the people I love. My beautiful wife, Alex. Hello there. My pal and pod producer, Marcus Stern. My good friend. It's good to see you. And, of course, my lifelong pal, Phil Tag. How are you, pal? Okay, Adam Ferrara. There What's you go. <laughs> happening. Adam Ferrara. That's right. <laughs> and we are recording this show on Monday, uh, and our guest is a Jeopardy champion. And it just so happens that Sunday, yesterday, Alex Trebek has passed away. Yeah. 
Very yeah. sad. Very sad. He was loved by many. He was. He was. He was eighty years old though. Mm-hmm. Pretty good run. Yeah, I read that he went. He went peacefully, staring at the ocean on his favorite swing with his wife Jean. With, mm-hmm. That he was married to his wife Jean in 1990. So thirty. Yeah, years? I think thirty years. Yeah, thirty years married. they were together. It's a great, great couple. Yep. Yeah. Three kids. Mm-hmm. Three kids, and the uh, the family actually had a very sweet tweet that I uh, I wanted to read to you. It says, "We are sad." to announce the passing of Alex. Uh, he is no longer in pain, and we knew he was gone as soon as we heard. Did you have to do that, Adam? I did. <laughs> I was saying, wow, is he, he, is he actually going to get through this without a joke? Mm-hmm. <laughs> He'd probably funny. laugh at that, too. Yeah, he would howl at he that. He would. I, I just read something as we're all reading about this. Uh, you know, there, I guess there was some champions tournament that he came out to greet the contestants with no pants on. Yeah. Just to like, just for a laugh. Yeah, mm-hmm. he and said that there's too much as, tension in the room. Yeah. As if I didn't need another reason to love Alex Trebek. I mean, it's just. Okay. Do you guys know? I'm going to ask you guys a question. Do you know how many episodes Alex Trebek hosted of Jeopardy? Three. Nope. More than three. <laughs> I know he's been on for decades. Yep. Mm-hmm. Any this idea? Why I would, this is why I would have been terrible on the on the game show. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'm already I would have had nervous. no guests. Yeah, <laughs> frozen. Yeah. You know why? Know. You guys weren't prepared for this question. Thank <laughs> God. <laughs> I have Buzzy Cohen on to tell you how to prepare. My palms are sweating. Your palms are sweating. Yes. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna put you guys out of your misery. Eighty two hundred episodes, thirty seven seasons. He started the show in nineteen eighty four which is the most episode by any presenter of a single TV game show, according to a statement from Sony Pictures. Cha-ching. Wow. Residuals. Yeah, he did well. Yeah. He did very well. Mm-hmm. So we're very happy for yeah. Alex. Good. You know, he made being smart, cool, and profitable. Yes. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. Well he put. Did. Yes, well he put. did. He was good. Yes, he did. And you guys were sweating because you weren't prepared. You know who was prepared on the show? Buzzy. Buzzy Cohen. And one of the things that Buzzy said in the interview that uh, was a phrase that really struck me was um, having a plan versus being prepared. And I went, oh, that's, that, that's pretty good because I'm a, I'm a planner. Mm-hmm. I, always, I always like to have a plan. In fact, boys, I always tell my wife, all right, you want the plan? Yeah. Yeah. And, she- uh, and I uh, listen to the plan and I'm like, okay, I can put this there, this there, as long as I'm here by then. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. So I take your plan and kind of add to it. Yeah, yeah. She works around the plan. Yeah. But uh, yeah. Uh, Mark, are you a planner? Uh, are you a planner? Professionally, I am because in the work I do with Kornheiser, you have to be prepared for a guest not to appear or for something to go wrong. And you have to be able to sort of in the back of your mind be like, okay, we were going to do this and now we can't. So we have to do this and this and this. Yeah. So, yeah, professionally, yes, I am. Personally, no, I'm a total mess. I agree. That's, with a, that. that's a contingency plan, though. See, I, I learned to be prepared on top here because I would have a plan. And then when I got in the car, I'm like, oh, I don't have any brakes. So I, <laughs> plan B. That's what I was going to say. Yeah. Like, I think you and I work good together because I'm good at adapting, but you learned that on Top Gear. Mm-hmm. You had to adapt basically to survive. Yeah, basically to survive. <laughs> not, not really adapt as much as <laughs> looks like I'm slamming into Tana. <laughs> Phil, Phil's a planner. I think you're, you're a planner, Phil. You're always, you're always writing out your cards and stuff when you have to host a show. Well, that's not, I don't think that's a plan. I think that's just doing the work, knowing that I have a, you know, if I'm whatever I'm hosting, if I, you know, um, if I want to be like what you said. That, that, I think that's more preparing than planning, wouldn't you? No, 
because I <laughs> I wouldn't say it at all. Okay. Only because I know you. You have a plan, and if things don't work out, you don't know what you you. It all goes to shit, and your head yeah. spins around, and you can't function. He's a planner yeah, in denial. He's a. <laughs> Yeah, I am. <laughs> yeah, you have, but once things goes wrong, he he doesn't know what to do. Yeah, and 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 because of that, he ends up hiding in a drugstore. What? <laughs> he, Phil ended up hiding in a drugstore. Oh my! Phil ended up hiding in a drugstore. We were we were we were at Rite Aid the other day. Uh-huh. Oh God! <laughs> I can't leave you two alone. No, we were out. We were out. We had a nice. We went to Izzy's. We had a nice breakfast at Izzy's, and then we we were walking around. We're talking about a script. We had an idea we both liked. We were getting excited about it. Phil's following me, and we're talking. He's very excited. He's animated. We're, we're figuring out the next act and everything. It's, things are going well. I walked into a Rite Aid. Mm-hmm. I don't need anything at Rite Aid. I figured there's got to be some fun in here. Let's see what we can do. <laughs> oh, God. So Phil's following me in the Rite Aid. And he's, we're talking and everything, and I see a, a long line at the prescription counter. Mm-hmm. Everyone's waiting for their prescription. And next to that counter is the adult care aisle. So I walk into the adult care aisle with everyone looking at me and Phil's between me and the people and there's mm-hmm. people on the other side of me. Mm-hmm. So Phil's talking about something. I grab the biggest bundle of adult diapers I can. Mm-hmm. I turn to Phil and I just said, <laughs> what size are you again? <laughs> and I'm like, here we go. Okay. You didn't need anything in here at all, did you? You, no. you didn't need anything. I didn't need anything. No, I just wanted to see what we, we could have some fun in here. And you froze. <laughs> Like a deer in headlights. He just froze. And I said. That's a, that's a great analogy. It's a deer in headlights. I'm like, oh, then I figure out, what am I going to do? How am I going to get out of this? <laughs> yeah. So tell her what you did. You ran away. I ran. Like, I, like it was a maze. I'm going from mile to mile to mile. Where is he? I'm that's nine hilarious. years old. I'm nine years old running from my best friend. He, what is wrong with you? He froze and he ran away and everyone was oh. looking at us, right? And as he ran away, I was yelling, going. Come on, don't be like that. You said you would try. So he's running. And he's on. Meanwhile, meanwhile, Mark, people are like poking their heads out of the. uh, What's going on? What's happening? Because you disrupt the norm. You disrupt the norm. It's like, you know what it is? It's like a fart in a church. You hear it immediately. What what is that? What's going on? And everybody turns their head. And who do they look at? Me. (laughs) I'm the one standing. No, it's him. He's got it. I don't know what to say. They look at you because you were running away. Yeah, I'm running away. It's him. You don't understand. What are you doing? It's a pandemic. I know. Please, please tell me that at least one person in the store came up to you and said, I suffer for this too, sir. Okay, it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. No. no, they stay far away from me, Mark. They, they, stay, stay, they stay clear. They, didn't they, have, they don't know what it is. They don't know what it is. They didn't have any time, Mark, because he was running. They just saw a man running, and they, I was yelling. They probably thought that crazy man needs diapers. Yeah, they did, yeah. yeah. He's, he's running. All I know is every time Adam and I go into any public place and we leave, somebody's looking at camera footage. <laughs> Some of the there's a security a guy looking at camera. Look, look at these idiots. Look, look at this. Tom, get over here. Look, look at this. Look at these idiots. So, Mark, I got I still got the the, the, the giant bundle of adult diapers. I'm holding it as he's running away. Mm-hmm. So as he's running away, I see him go on one side. He's poking his head around the aisle to see where I am. I'm at, and I'm on the other side of the aisle, and everyone's watching us. And, <laughs> and so as he pokes his head out, I just said, "Come on, think of me." Why don't you think I'm the one that's got to clean it up? Oh, no. Of course.
course you did. <laughs> and he oh runs. My God. He runs away. He runs to the next aisle, and there yeah. I am. I'm like, we just got new rugs, and he just oh, keeps going. Man. And then at that point, the shift goes to me. Everybody looks at me at that point. Of course. Everybody, you know, of course. They're staring right at me. What are you looking at? Just go get your sucrets. Go, go do what you got to do. <laughs> he's yelling back at people. He's got his mask on and he's hiding in the greeting card somewhere. I, I can't find him. I lost him. But yeah, I know there's, you. there's only one way out. So I stand by the door because he's got to come out that way. Right. And I'm standing there still holding the adult diapers. And now people are looking at me and I just burst into tears. He starts crying. <laughs> crying? I started yeah, crying. Yeah, he throws on the acting switch and starts crying. <laughs> I was crying. And I, I, was... I told the people, you, you know, he's an actor. You don't understand what he's doing. <laughs> you don't know what he's doing. It's all an act. I'm crying. And people in the, in the line are looking at me. And I started yeah. apologizing. I said, I'm so sorry. It's, we're under so much stress. I don't mean to disrupt your day. I'm just trying <laughs> to make things better. With... You know, Phil, they believed him. You know that, right? They always believe him. <laughs> and they look at me like it's me. What's wrong uh, with that man? That's exactly. what I get all the time. Next year at the Oscars, they're going to play a clip of that, okay? <laughs> yeah. I'm standing by the Dude, end. I'm telling you right now. I'm like, can't we just, I'm like Paul Giamatti in Sideways. Can't we just play golf and hang out and have a good time? No. Can't we just get some pens? Can't we just go into the grocery store or the drugstore and get some pens and leave? No. Like normal people? Mm-mm, not a chance. <sighs> I'm standing there crying and apologizing. He's still holding the diapers, and he comes walking up. He's he's in a huff. He's just walking he's like this. He's in a huff. He's like, get up, get up, get up. He's way right <laughs> out. He runs out the door. I just turn around on the way out, and I go, think of the kids. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's what you said. Think of the kids. <laughs> now I made my spouse cry, and I hate children. <laughs> That's the perception. Yes. Oh, that's beautiful. And you have a leaky butt. <laughs> you have a leaky butt. Yeah, a leaky ass. <laughs> Do it for our children. <laughs> he just runs out of me. And then I get in the car. I drive home. I got to calm down. <laughs> I'm by myself. I just got to just breathe, breathe, and get home. That's what I do. You're probably running this scenario in your mind over and over again. <laughs> he did. And then he called me. Listen to this. All right. I was I... yelling in this drugstore. People looking at you. They weren't looking at me. They were looking at you. Oh, they were looking at me. I was hiding. <laughs> what were you thinking? I got to get the hell out of here. <laughs> How am I going to get out of here? I, 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 need, I need an exit strategy. I, I got to get the that's so great. That, that, that's what I say every time you do something. How do I get out of this? I have to get out of this without being embarrassed. Well, what did you did you see me crying and apologizing to the people? Yeah. Well, yeah, well, I saw everything. He's piling it on. <laughs> people are pointing their cameras at me. And I'm always the guy they look at. Yeah. yeah. He made them cry. Yeah. That's what they're saying. Yes, they did. Yeah, we were a couple having a fight in public. Yeah, we were a couple having a yeah. fight in the right age. You both Over should try you. and tame that. <laughs> There's probably some of the same people, too. That's got to happen eventually. Hey, that's, it's those guys from the hardware store. <laughs> the same guy. <laughs> you know, it's the same they guys. Fight. They fight everywhere. Oh, God. <laughs> you guys are nine. Uh, nine. 
God, is that funny? No, no wait, whoa, 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 whoa. He's nine. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the parent. Hey, you, you still walk with him. <laughs> I, I have to. Where am I going? We're creating. <laughs> We got work to do. I have no choice. <laughs> this is the hand I've been dealt. <laughs> Shit, what am I going to do with this hand? <laughs> but the funniest thing was you had no idea what was going on until those people turned around and looked at you. And yeah. your eyes got huge. And you yeah. didn't know what to do. Yeah, because I never yeah. know what's happening until I'm right in the middle of it. <laughs> That's yeah. when I know something's happening. And when, oh, shit. Okay, we're doing this one. Okay. All right. I right. thought we were getting pens, but we're not. He's fucking with me. This is what it is. What's going to happen now? I might as well just go up to the people. Listen, just please excuse him. In a couple of minutes, some things are going to happen. Look, I don't know what it is. So you're saying that he doesn't adapt well. That's what I'm saying. All right. Well, I'm going to prepare now. <laughs> yeah. I'll, every time we go somewhere, I'm going to make an announcement. Everybody, listen up. <laughs> Just In a couple of cards. minutes, some crazy yeah. shit's going to go down. <laughs> Just mind your business, buy your groceries, and don't worry about it. There's nothing to worry about. Nothing to see. <laughs> whatever it is, it's not yeah. my fault. Yeah, yeah. Whatever it is, just go with it. Yeah. <laughs> don't, don't encourage him. <laughs> Might be some tears. <laughs> I mean, you, you, you were crying. crying. Who does that? Nice. We're not doing a scene. What are you doing? Nice A game, Adam. Yes. Jesus. Cut. Cut. <laughs> he cut so many. We're moving on. We're moving on. He was really crying. This woman he came, was. He was. This woman came over. I walked outside. He was. I was like, you're crying. <laughs> Are those real tears? <laughs> How do you do that? <laughs> so oh, great. you are beautiful. <laughs> oh, Phil, I'm just saying you had a plan to spend a day with your pal. You just should have maybe been prepared. I'm going to send you Buzzy's book so this doesn't happen again. <laughs> All right. I'll, I'll give you one thing. You're a good actor. <laughs> Uh, I, I had a good time talking to Buzzy. Listen to this, and we'll see you on the other side. Have fun. Getting out and enjoying yourself. That's what life is all about. And it's easy when you have the best bladder control protection. What size are you again? <laughs> You're listening to the Adam Ferrara Podcast. This is 30 Minutes You'll Never Get Back. I'm up to here with this crap. Hi guys, I got some stand-up dates for you. December 10th through the 12th, I will be at Hilarities in Cleveland, Ohio. December 18th and 19th, I will be at the Arlington Draft House in Arlington, Virginia. And for New Year's Eve, I will be at the Helium in St. Louis. If you can make any of these dates, please come up after the show and let me thank you for all the love and support you've shown me and this podcast. All right, go on, get out of here. Let's listen to Buzz. You can host the best backyard barbecue. When you find a professional on Angie to make your backyard the best around. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Inside to outside. Repairs to renovations. Get started on the Angie app or visit Angie.com today. 
You can do this when you Angie that. The Angie's List you know and trust is now Angie, and we're so much more than just a list. We still connect you with top local pros and show you ratings and reviews, but now we also let you compare upfront prices on hundreds of projects and book a service instantly. We can even handle the rest of your project from start to finish. So remember, Angie's List is now Angie, and we're here to get your job done right. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today. Angie's List is now Angie, and we've heard a lot of theories about why. I thought it was an eco-move. Fewer words, less paper. No, it was so you could say it faster. No, it's to be more iconic. Must be a tech thing. But those aren't quite right. It's because now you can compare upfront prices, book a service instantly, and even get your project handled from start to finish. Sounds easy. It is. And it makes us so much more than just a list. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today. Pay attention when I'm talking to you, boy. ADHD. It's not just for kids. Nice boy, but doesn't listen to a word you say. Welcome to the ADD interview. It's not that you're not interesting, it's just that I can't focus. And my guest this week is... Oh, look, a bird! I'll take my guest this week for 100, Adam. And the answer is, this nine-time Jeopardy! champion and winner of the 2017 Tournament of Champions is a music executive by trade and seems to be a boundary pusher by nature. His new Audible book is called Get Ready. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls... Who is Buzzy Cohen? (laughs) How are you, Buzzy? I'm doing good. Thanks for having me. Happy thanks. to be here. Oh, thanks for being on. Okay, let's first things first, you Jeopardy champion. How much cash did you walk away with? The total total is a little bit north of four hundred thousand dollars. That's a nice neighborhood to be in, baby. <laughs> I won about one hundred sixty-seven thousand the first time I was on over those nine games. Mm-hmm. Quarter of a, quarter of a million for winning the tournament of champions. That's great. And then uh, I got another 25000 when I uh, made a wild card spot in the Jeopardy All-Stars. That's great. Uh, yeah. Okay. Now, I, you're a smart guy, and it's not just because you're wearing glasses, obviously. <laughs> uh, Jersey kid, right? Yep. New York, yep. New Jersey. You're, you're out in Los Angeles now. Yep. Um, in New York, basically, the, the 7 o'clock and 7.30 game show on was, it was mm-hmm. Jeopardy at 7 o'clock in New York. Yep. And then after you feel stupid because you couldn't answer anything, they put on Wheel of Fortune to make it easier for you. That's right. So, yeah, 7 o'clock, growing up, I would always watch Jeopardy. And I used to, also at 7 o'clock on Fox, mm-hmm. there were there were Simpsons reruns. Yeah. And I knew the exact length of time of the, like internally, I'd internalize the length of time of the Jeopardy commercial break. And I would flip to the Simpsons and always be back right on time for the next uh the next round of Jeopardy. That's okay. So you, you were a smart kid. So you were, you were drawn <laughs> to Jeopardy and yeah. you, that was it. Yeah. I, I would do Jeopardy. I could answer once in a while. And then when wheel of fortune would kick in, you'd guess letters, you feel better because my mother actually, <laughs> I'll be honest with you, Buzzy. My mother couldn't take, it was too much pressure for my mother to watch. Which Je- Jeopardy no, or wheel, of wheel of fortune. She'd be yelling oh. at the TV. It's a W. Yeah. It's, yes. An L the lizard of Oz. That's what they're trying to spell. <laughs> Okay, playing Mike. a very someone is playing a very deep game if they're going for an L for the Lizard of Oz. Very <laughs> yeah. deep game. So I got to ask, how does one do you do you apply for it? Do you send an audition tape? How did you? What's the process yeah, to get so on Jeopardy? My whole arc was like I really love Jeopardy. I did some like high school trivia stuff. I kind of fell out of it when I was in college. Mm-hmm. I moved out here, 
I got bunny ears for my TV so that we could watch the Academy Awards. And all of a sudden, because I'm like a, a early cable cutter, no, you know, no cable or anything. And um, so I couldn't watch live TV. And there's no there, at the time there wasn't any streaming Jeopardy. So I got the bunny ears for the Academy Awards. And then all of a sudden I could watch Jeopardy again every night. Mm-hmm. And they had an ad, like a little promo, like, hey, take the Jeopardy quiz in two months or six weeks or whatever it was. And I just signed up on a whim. Okay. Um, took the test. A few months later, got called in for an in-person audition, took another test, did kind of a mock game interview kind of thing. And then they called me in to be on the show. Now, that's not the way it goes for a lot of people. Um, a lot of like a lot of very famous Jeopardy contestants have had to take the test multiple times. Mm-hmm. And actually right now they've changed it. So anytime you want, you can sign up and take the test online. It used to be like once a year, everybody took it at the same time online. Now they have some system where you can just log on and take a test. It's so 50 you, questions. Yeah. 50 questions. So, so you passed. It's like your driver's test, but you passed the first time. Yeah. Usually they, I think part, I think it was a combination of the fact that, I did well enough on the test, but I also like, you know, showed up for my audition in a three piece suit. I like kind of trash talked a little bit when I was there, you know, like I, they really drive home at the audition process that it's a game show. Yeah. I mean, it's not the, you know, foreign service exam or you're not sitting for the bar and a lot of people take it really, really seriously. And they're looking for people who are comfortable in their own skin, can have fun, ready for TV, all that stuff. Well, yeah, that that was one of the things that that I loved is when you said having fun is you were you foregoed betting money to mess with Alex Trebek. That's right. Yeah. But it wasn't it actually it wasn't I wasn't foregoing the money. The thing that people don't realize about the experience of taping Jeopardy is that they tape five shows in one day. Mm-hmm. So I was starting at 10 a.m. taping a show. I won, had to run backstage, change outfits, come back 10 minutes later, do another show. I mean, it's obvious to people who have ever done a TV show, but to viewers at home, it's not obvious. Yeah. And so what I realized was it's such a grueling and intense experience that if I could bet, if I had a lock game and I knew I was going to win no matter what, I would rather just bet zero and have another 10 or 15 minutes to rest. Right. And really, that was what it was about. Making, like kind of poking fun at Trebek is just, who I am. It's like more like my, that's, that's like my natural state is kind of having fun with people. And so the impulse wasn't to have fun with Trebek, but it sort of ended up being what people remember. The impulse was really just to take a few minutes off. Right. Okay. So to catch people up, the way you messed with Trebek was you bet zero. So you wouldn't lose anything. And you wrote messages to Alex on the screen that he would have to read on television. Correct. So I wrote things like, see you tomorrow, Trebek. Uh, what is, you aren't rid of me yet, Trebek. And then the last one I wrote was, what is once more, Trebek, once more. That's funny. And um, did he have a, did, did he find it funny? He did. Yeah, he did. And he's very aware of all the like SNL parodies and all of this other stuff. Um, and so he would start saying like, hey, I need you guys to the other contestants. Like, can somebody beat this guy so I don't have to deal with his, you know, shenanigans anymore? (laughs) I think he he was sort of like trying to figure me out a little bit. And as I said, it's five shows in a day. So really it was two consecutive days that I was there with him doing all kinds of stuff. I was doing the joke things. I was like, you know, brushing the dirt off my shoulder in the Mm -hmm. intro. 
when I came back for the tournament of champions, I think there'd also been another contestant who was sort of like me named Austin Rogers, who was also kind of outlandish. And I think he kind of figured out like, oh, this is fun. This is cool. People have a good time with this. The audience enjoys it. And he started having more fun with us as well. Yeah, because you you have a, you know, you're a smart guy. You got to be smart to be on there. You have a personality. So that's two things that are pretty rare. And you got an attitude because you're from Jersey. Yeah, so, exactly. And Buzzy exactly. Cohen is just great. Buzzy Cohen is just like, it, it's like you found, you helped found Vegas. That man's <laughs> exactly, name was yes. Buzzy Cohen. You know? Yes, I was, you know, I made my money running liquor from Canada and then, you know, invested that in, uh, in hotels. <laughs> yeah, you're the champion, right? And the structure is you come back to play in the tournament of champions. Now, during that time, you changed your training style. Correct. Yeah. So I, what I realized was the way that I had been preparing to be on the show the first time, which is what most people do, sitting on the sofa, watching the show every day, maybe TiVoing a couple so I can... You know, if I miss one, I can do a couple in a row mm-hmm. uh, with like a ballpoint pen. So you can practice kind of that, res- you know, that responsive. Clicking. Oh, that's the thing. Let me ask you about the buzzer before I get distracted. Yeah. How come the buzzer doesn't work for some people and they get pissed off? If you buzz in before Alex Trebek finishes reading the question, your buzzer gets locked out for a quarter of a second, which uh, is kind of a long time. Yeah. So if you buzz in and you're locked out, you like you're trying to get it to go. And if someone else has buzzed in you've lost it but like you're still trying to get in and there's that time between that person buzzing and alex trebek calling their name when you're still you still don't know that you're not so in. it's a timing thing do they tell you that before or is that something you just yes. oh so they tell yeah, they you they tell you how the buzzer works and you actually you get a decent amount of time during rehearsals when you get there and then again after lunch using the buzzer they put old boards up one of the contesting coordinators reads the questions and they give you a lot of time and they make sure that everyone's kind of at least figured it out to some extent okay so that was one of the things that you had to get used to in the training of it and in the rehearsal of it that's one of the things I loved in your book, and the book is called Get Ready. It's on Audible. I highly recommend it. One of the things you mentioned was content versus context. The content is what you have to provide for the game show. The context is the environment, and most people overlook that. Correct. Yeah. So what I found was that a lot of people study a lot of material for Jeopardy, but they forget about the fact of the internal and external environment that they're going to need to be able to come up with that. So the external environment are things like the time of day and things like standing versus sitting. I consider that like an external environmental Mm -hmm. thing. The internal environment is really your emotional state, right? And it's much more stressful being on the show with an audience, two other contestants who know stuff, facing Alex Trebek, who for some people, he's, you know, the biggest star in the world for Jeopardy nerds at the very least. Mm -hmm. It's all just, it's, you're in a totally different state than 7 PM sitting on the couch playing against your dog when you can pause the TiVo and try to come up with something. And so what I did was I integrated as much of the context of the show experience into my preparation. So Mm -hmm. I would record the shows, I would study, do all my stuff at the time of day when the show taped. Because as you know, and as I know, my brain at 10 a.m. is very different from my brain at 7 p.m. Right. My ability to recall stuff. So I was like, I need to prepare with that in mind. I would go to the gym and oh, hang so through. so you would yeah. you would set your body because if you block shooting your uh, your call time is you know eight o'clock seven a.m. seven a.m. okay so you block shooting so so be, to be at the studio at seven you're up at five six getting ready doing what you got to exactly. do so you're there so you set your body clock to be that that's very smart 
Most yeah, I so for a, about a, I, I was doing all kinds of training and I wasn't like all of a sudden doing it all at once. But about a month before tape date, I started waking up at the time I knew I was going to have to wake up mm-hmm. for the show just to get used to that. Like I'm not a morning person. So 6am or 530 or whatever, it doesn't get easier for me necessarily. But at least I was familiar with it. I kind of knew I had it was part of my routine, right. And that's a big thing that I did was the things that are really unique about the experience of Jeopardy, I tried to make them routine. So wearing a suit and tie every day mm-hmm. is not a routine for most people, but you, a lot of people want to do it for Jeopardy or wear nicer clothes than they're used to. And all of a sudden they're wearing clothes that they haven't worn in a long time, maybe don't fit the way they thought they would. They're futzing with stuff and all, and all of that stuff has an effect on you, right? Like if someone has to help you tie your tie, I mean, that's not like the most confident building experience right before you're supposed to go out on stage and fulfill a lifelong dream. Yeah. So so I wore a suit and tie every day for, for like a year. Well, I knew for about a year that I was going to go back on the show. It's, see, that's smart. People don't even think about it. And there's a lot of that stuff in the book. You read Sun Tzu, The Art of War? Yeah. Know the environment. Know the totally. thing. And know, know how the internal and the external world does that. For me, what I learned, Buzzy, is when I was doing uh, stand-up for the first time uh, uh-huh. on, on TV – you know, late night TV, you're backstage and you're backstage alone and you're backstage alone with, you know, the, uh, when I did Letterman, you're backstage with Biff. He's standing right. there. So, right. so you walk out and there's all that energy that you have to adapt to. Now I ju- I did the James Corden show recently. Uh-huh. So here's what I do is I'll stand backstage behind the curtain while they're in commercial and the band is playing and I'll poke my head out. So the audience right. sees me and they'll go and they wave, they clap, they wave because they know I'm coming out. So I've already said, I've already made a joke and I've right. made myself comfortable. I'm making a joke to them already. And I've, right. I've invited them into this thing we're going to do together. So when they start clapping and pointing, I go, all right, I just want to say, oh, knock it off. I'll be out in a minute. And that was, so that, right. that's more for me. So when right. I read your book, I went, oh, that's, I did the same thing. So I was very excited to hear you, you do that in your training. You also worked out and had your trainer ask you questions. Yeah. So I, I, I was trying to, I was trying to figure out how to get as close to the experience of being on stage knowing you know something mm-hmm. and not being able to come up with it, which is an experience we all have uh, in different ways. But everybody who's been on Jeopardy has had that, I missed the question that I, I know so well. Mm-hmm. And part of that is just, you know, like you've got a lot of stress hormones going on. There's a lot of pressure. And your brain isn't always, your brain isn't necessarily putting resources towards the kind of memory that um, you need to come up with that information, right? Your brain is trying to figure out what are my exits? How much danger am I in? All that other kind of do stuff. Do I have right? to pee? What's the threat? Do I have to pee? All that stuff. Um, and so what I did was, I actually realized this on a trip to Disneyland. And I talk about this a little bit in the book. I, was, I went down Splash Mountain and I told my wife right afterwards, if somebody had been asking me trivia questions while I was going down Splash Mountain, that would be the closest thing to the experience of being on the show. Hmm. And, and of course I couldn't actually like do that. But what I realized was that kind of like brain going blank thing that was happening to me when I'd be at the gym and having to like hold the top of a chin up or hold a plank or push a sled when you're like really exerting and you just feel like I'm, I'm going to die and I just need to hold on. Mm-hmm. And when you're in that place, Somebody can ask you really simple questions. Someone could ask you to spell your name and you're like, and it might be hard, right? Right, Your your whole body is shutting down and getting to that place is hard. So what I did was 
I would hand my trainer a stack of flashcards or I would hand him a trivia book and hang from the chin-up bar and be like, ask me. And I'd already studied the stuff, so I knew it. But what I was doing was learning how to get through that mind blank moment and get back to my information. Yeah, that's the thing in the book that I thought was very valuable or, and you articulated something that I was feeling is when you train for something, you're not making an uncomfortable situation or experience or thought or reaction go away. Right. You're not making it going away. You're giving yourself tools to deal with it and not letting it throw you when it comes up. Exactly. Exactly. Because I think that it's really hard to get rid of stress. And, and I say this actually, one of the things that I think is important is like anything that is important to us, we're going to be stressed because if it's important to us, the stakes are probably high. Anything that's important to you yeah. has some stakes. Anything, yeah, stakes, anything you're trying to do or acquire, it's fear and desire. Fear and desire right. causes exactly. suffering. Yeah. Um, and so what I, what I say is like, you know, you can, there are people who do, you know, like meditation before they go on jeopardy or try to like go Zen before a big presentation. And I'm not saying that stuff isn't helpful. I'm just saying what happens when something goes wrong and then the stress rushes back. And so what I did was just get myself familiar and figuring out how to deal with it. Exactly. Like you said. Yeah. That's what that's, that's Tyson. Everyone's got a plan to like get punched in the mouth. Exactly. Exactly. And I used that quote to, to open one of the chapters because like plans are very fragile. Mm-hmm. And I have, you know, one of the most important chapters in the book, it's like the first or second chapter is planning versus preparing. Planning is a work of fantasy, right? It's, it's a positive fantasy. Like I'm going to do this and then this is going to happen. I'm going to do this and then this is going to happen. And that's all well and good until you get punched in the mouth, right? Yeah. Until something goes wrong. And then all of a sudden your plan is kaput. And so plans are very useful, but I think preparing is actually thinking about what could go wrong and organizing yourself around that. And if the things don't happen, great. But if they do happen, you're ready. I'm applying this right now with Corona, right? So, Mm -hmm. so my wife and I are in this situation where we've got a young kid, you know, for until August something, her school said, we're going back in person. And then all of a sudden they're like, we're back on zoom and zoom didn't work for our kids. So we're like, Oh, do we do this? Do we try the zoom while they see if they figured out they're trying to come back. And my wife and I realized like, what's the worst case scenario is that schools don't come back this year. So Mm -hmm. let's plan for that. What does that look like? Make a plan according to that. And then if schools come back, great, we'll, we'll have something to address then. But right now we have a plan that carries us through a worst case scenario. Yeah. I, what I, what, what I found helped me is in the moment when the plans don't work or in the moment when something doesn't go the way you want to is not to beat the shit out of myself because that, why did I let that happen? Cause that's an illusion of control. Right. It's like, all right, what can I make out of this? What's next? That happened. That, that moving forward and yeah. moving forward towards the goal and seeing the, the need for me to change my, my outlook on, on an event. Right. That, so I wanted to ask you this. You were the nine-time champion. You won. Yeah. What made you change your approach to the tournament of champions since you achieved success? Well, well my I, question is, why, why, why mess with something that worked? Well, I was, there was a lot of luck involved. Like I mm-hmm. had a lot of skating by. In the second week, I started having runaway games. But the first week was really touch and go. Like I almost lost in my second game. I had a lucky break in my fourth game. I didn't win very decisively. And I realized that the level of competition was going to go up. 
And okay. I also had more information now, right? Like I had more information about what the experience of the show was going to be. So why wouldn't I apply that to how I prepared myself? Smart, smart. I can only liken this to my business, Buzzy. Yeah. The comics I started with all had a fear of learning acting because we thought we weren't going to be funny anymore. In other right. words, we thought that we actually, this is what I can do. And if I do something different, I won't be able to do that. It's right. not, it, it, it's, it's something that keeps you from moving forward. And you had uh, in your book, perceived wisdom and received wisdom. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I thought exactly. that, I thought that was really interesting. Received wisdom, if I'm understanding you correctly, is stuff that you're told and you would accept as truth. Perceived right. wisdom is what you think might happen, but there's no well, real basis for it. Is that accurate? Well, there's also the like the received wisdom of what they tell you or what you think about what people tell you to do to get ready for something, right? Mm -hmm. So it's like, oh, read your speech, um, you know, in the mirror or something like that. Right. Um, and that's 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 what someone tells you. For me, the perceived wisdom is like I was then on the show, right? Mm -hmm. So I have this experience that's informing what I'm going to do in a much more important way like sitting on the couch with the with a buzzer clicking along to the show didn't stop being part of my preparation right well sitting on the couch did i stopped sitting on the couch when i was doing it but watching the show with a pen clicking because i had this perception that like oh i need to actually prepare i don't have to prepare to know the things on jeopardy i have to prepare to compete on the game show of jeopardy smart right <laughs> Smart. You change. You, ch you change the command. You you change the goal. And one of the things that I really try to push people, and just to be clear, the book is, as you know, not just about getting ready for Jeopardy. I end up doing all this other stuff. I interviewed a bunch of people, and it's really about preparing for all these different situations that we find ourselves in all the time. But one of the things I ask people to do is really understand what you need to do. If it's knowing a bunch of information, then yes, studying out of books at any time is fine. If it's Competing, standing up under lights, you know, in your dress clothes, wearing heels at 10 a.m., that's a very different task, a very different thing to prepare for than simply knowing a bunch of stuff. All right, but let's be honest, Buzzy, wearing heels at 10 a.m., that's a little trampy, no? <laughs> well, you know, I, I have a little heel on my dress shoe. You tease. <laughs> okay, and just to get back to the book, to clarify for the book, because you're absolutely right, and I want to make sure that the people listening know how valuable it is. It's more or less like a, a reference material or a travel guide, if you will. Yeah, it's one that's of kind of that... how I talk to people about it. Um, it's like a travel guide for preparing. Yeah, for for anything, and the idea is you'll listen through it, and like a travel guide, if you're going to Italy, you might flip through the whole thing, but once you decide, oh, I'm only going to Rome and Naples, you don't have to read the sections yeah. on. Florence and Venice. But again. what I took from it that I really liked is identifying an opportunity. That spoke to me because, and, and I'll tell you, I went back to a, a James Brown quote that I love. James Brown, 68, when he was like at his height, he bought a bunch of radio stations. He had, he was he was at the height. It was just James right. Brown, baby. And uh, he was doing an interview. Or, uh, see, he was in an interview and he said, uh, he goes, oh, I'm not black and I'm not white. Uh, I'm a taxpayer. Mm. He goes, there's, opp <laughs> there's opportunities out there, baby. You find yeah. them. And then yeah. that's what success is, is cashing in on that opportunity. Yeah. I, I, I recently heard someone say something that really I thought was great, which was luck is just the combination of a, a prepared person and an opportunity. Yeah. When luck beats preparation. Uh, yeah. 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 Preparation means opportunity. Yeah.
Yeah. And that that's it. I mean, I got anxiety and depression and everything. And I always found yeah. when I'm in a depressed state, it's because I don't see an opportunity. It's a consuming darkness. So if I look at something as an opportunity to put my creative energy into and to take action of, it gets me out of it. So that's, yeah. And so the and, first and, step in that is identifying the opportunity. And, and kind of going back to what you said about the challenge, like when you have, when something goes wrong, being able to move forward. You know, in my tournament of champions, I had a really bad first day of the finals, mm -hmm. but I was able to kind of like let that be in the past, focus on what was coming up. I had an opportunity. I hit it. I was in the lead, hit a daily double and realized that that was the moment that I could seize to bet it all. And, you know, I was already in last place going into that day. So if right. I ended up in last place, that's fine. But or third place. But if I hit it, then all of a sudden I'm in I'm back in this. Yeah. And a lot of people would say. Oh, I've had such a bad game today. I'm, I, maybe this isn't the, it's like, no, that's the opportunity. That's the one you have to seize on. And this is actually isn't in the book, but getting ready for the tournament of champions. The other thing I did was watch the movie Creed like once a week. <laughs> and there's, a, you know, Rocky in training Creed says, you know, one punch at a time, one, you know, one step at a time, one punch at a time, one round at a time. And that was really how I approached every, it's like, you know, one clue at a time, one round at a time, one game at a time, like just, you know, it's not about, oh, what am I going to do in the next? It was just like, where I'm, I'm right here doing what I need to do. Yeah, take the next step, but also be up in the crow's nest to see what's right. coming. It's like when you said, I have an opportunity of a daily double. I got to bet this all. It's like right. being at a crap table. And when the crap table's rolling, you got to press your bets on those numbers. My father told me I was at a poker machine once and I was in the casino. He came by and I wasn't betting the full amount. And he goes... You're just pissing away an opportunity. I'm like, yeah. what are you talking about? He says, you hit a kill time, you hit a play. If you hit a play, you bet the maximum. Because if you only got two or three coins in and you hit the Royal Flush, you didn't win $1,000. You lost you out lost. on $25,000. Yeah. Right. So yeah. you hit a play. I, mean, I actually use like little fake gambling game apps on my phone. Craps specifically, because mm -hmm. that's my favorite game. Part of the craps game was, you know, seeing these big numbers swing in and out of your pot and realizing it's just points. You're just playing until yeah. you win. That's yeah. what people say. You know, the the real like the the game theory Jeopardy people are like, it's all points until you win. When you win, it's money. Right. And that goes into your bank. But people are, you know, when you think about it, it's like, oh, I'm going to lose 2000 of my dollars or 4000 of my dollars. Yeah. It's not your money. You know, it's, well, it's not money yet. It's not money yet. Exactly. So, so you got to play it as the game and the game, basically what I, what I look, what I learned in the way I played was that you make a very big bet or you make a, a very small bet. Mm. Very rarely is there a situation where you want to make a bet somewhere in the middle. Yeah. Fortunes favor the brave, baby. Yeah. Let me ask Unless you you're in a situation where it's like, Hey, that's a dumb risk to take bet the minimum. Yeah. You know, because there are, there are situations in the game and it's just recognizing which situation you're in. Mm -hmm. How did this experience change you? I think the big thing from this whole thing was I realized how doing really concerted preparation could, I could really take myself to another level. Mm -hmm. Before the Tournament of Champions, the previous Tournament of Champions winner, who is a big, he's a big like sabermetrics baseball you know, gambling guy, he, um, he did, you know, he basically handicapped the field for the tournament of champions. And I was like second or third from the bottom right? because I, I underperformed, right? Like I, I had wins, but they weren't these dominant wins. I had a lot of wins, but they were sort of like, 
you know, I would sort of skate by. I wasn't like going out there just beating the shit out of the opponents. I was right. just winning. And at the Tournament of Champions, if you look at those same metrics, I played so much stronger than everybody else. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, what was the difference? I was able to really improve my performance based on this approach. And so I started applying it to a bunch of other things. And it just kind of made me realize, like, I think we have this idea of our own strengths and weaknesses, limitations. And I think it's a combination of, I mean, obviously resources are a big thing. Not everyone can spend the time and energy and in some cases money on doing certain things. But I think it's also an outlook. It's like, oh, I want to get great at tennis. Well, what are you doing? Oh, well, I go and I hit balls with my friend every week. Well, you're not, you're probably not going to get better at tennis if that's what you're doing. You know, Mm -hmm. you have to, you have to really apply a pedagogical approach uh, and hold and, on, Buzzy. Know, Buzzy, I, I got to look up pedagogical. I got hold on. <laughs> what is well, a big vocabulary? <laughs> well, you know, they have those, you know, like 12 letter word categories in Jeopardy. So mm-hmm. you got to learn some of those. But yeah, I mean, I think the idea is like you need to have a program. You need to understand what you need to work on. And I've since done a bunch of other things and am still kind of having fun collecting hobbies. Well, this is why I wanted to ask you, because uh, you <laughs> you finish this, you have this new sense of confidence, you have this plan, and you have this formula, if you will, this theory on how to achieve things. So yeah. you asked your trainer, well, how long would it take for me to deadlift? And how much did you deadlift? I ended up deadlifting a little over 400 pounds. Okay. And that was uh, a goal? That was the goal. I ended up, well, my I wanted to get a lot more than that, but I actually had a back injury mm-hmm. along the way. You know why? Because uh, you were trying to deadlift 400 pounds, Cohen. That's well, why. I was, trying, I was trying to deadlift 500 pounds, but... Um, uh, so, but yeah, I ended up entering a, an amateur deadlifting competition. Some of your listeners may know people at their gyms who are deadlifting a lot more. And what I'll say is the, the competition I participated in was drug tested. Right. That'll give you some context. Um, but, uh, so yeah, I ended up winning my weight class, my weight and age class for the, uh, uh, AAU powerlifting competition. Wow. Uh, deadlifting 400 pounds from starting out. I'd never deadlifted before. So that was where I started. I started at zero. That's great. Well, what made you choose deadlifting, if I can ask you? It's kind of random, but, um, you know, the trainer who started the gym that I go to, which is over near my house, mm-hmm. when he was, like, younger, he did a little bit of bodybuilding, and then he he did a deadlifting competition, and he, he won again for his weight class. So he had a trophy up in the front. And I was like, if I did that, like, could I do that? Could I go, could I win that trophy? Mm-hmm. And he was like, yeah, we need like eight or nine months. And so I signed up that day, basically. Found it, found, I found a competition nine months out and signed up. Thank God you saw that. I mean, you know, there, there could have been a lot of other things, you know, like. Yeah, well, <laughs> I get fanatical about it a little bit because I'm also trying to figure it out, you know, and I, I'm putting a lot of energy and effort. It keeps me out of trouble, though. So my wife's like, I'm, I'm very happy if what you're doing is going to the gym four days a week versus, you know, going out and partying or I don't know what I'll, you know going to Vegas, which is something I also like to do. Yeah. So you would say this experience and going through this training has provided you more confidence, self-esteem, self-worth? Definitely. Definitely. Look, winning the Jeopardy tournament of champions, talk about a confidence booster, Mm -hmm. you know, winning a game on Jeopardy. When I first went on Jeopardy, I didn't, I I just didn't, I just wanted to make it to the final Jeopardy. I don't want to be negative and not get to play Mm -hmm. and turn into this whole other thing. And there was always a part of me that was like, well, I got really lucky and you know, blah, 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 blah. But when you win the tournament of champions, luck is part of it. But you got to, like we said, you 
you got to take those opportunities. You got to play hard, put yourself in that position where you can get lucky. Okay. Now in um, final jeopardy, do they come by and put those dividers up between you or do they make you put them up? No, they, the, the dividers are actually electronic. Ah. So there's a little switch that puts them up. And now I think they've, because of COVID, they've spread out the uh, lectern so that you're not all next to each other to create more social distance. You know, what's interesting though, is they tell you if it's going to be a what or a who. Oh, okay. I think basically so that you don't get disqualified for not phrasing it in the form of a question. So they say right on the upper left, you know, what, mm-hmm. which doesn't really tell you anything, but right. um, just, just, it just helps you with the phrase. Now, do they give you before you, before you go into the show, do they give you the categories to study? No, they give you nothing. They give you nothing. So you could be reading about they the French you. revolution and, and the categories could be automotive maintenance. Absolutely. And actually, when I went back for All Stars, we decided, you know, I was on a team at that point, which was the first time they had done that. And I looked it up when it was going to be airing to find out what events, because, you know, if it's like, you know, around St. Patrick's Day, they might do a Luck of the Irish and it's like an Irish history category. So I realized it was right before the Academy Awards. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, there's going to be an Academy Awards category. And I memorized best picture best actor best actress best director for every year and of course there was no academy awards category (laughs) you outsmarted yourself going yeah but like i said you know i talk about this a little bit in the book like sometimes having those that information can help you uh contextualize other things right Mm -hmm. so even if they're not asking about grand hotel they might say like you know they might have a question and it mentions, I want to be alone. And they're looking for Greta Garbo. Garbo I'm sorry. Who is Greta Garbo? Exactly. So it's like having that, you know, it's, it's basically a scaffolding sometimes those sorts of things that you can then connect to more useful information. The book is called get ready. Give my (laughs) listeners the biggest thing that they can take from this book or the biggest message you would like to communicate with this book. I think that, All of us want to do as well as we can in in all these situations that we find ourselves in in our life that matter to us. And even if we know we should be preparing for them, we don't always know how to approach that preparation. And this book is really about helping you get into the mindset, not telling you necessarily how to prepare specifically for your thing, but how to figure out how you can prepare for it. That was great. (laughs) Guys, I I will need you to form it in the phrase of a question, though. Yeah. What is stop failing? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I mean, look, like even things that go well, I think a lot of times we're like, oh, I wish that had gone better. Mm -hmm. Oh, that could have gone a little bit better. And it's just just about helping you get a little bit better or a lot better for all these things that you want to do great in. We all want to do great, giving a speech at our friend's wedding or whatever. Yeah, I found it a very useful and helpful guide. It's available on Audible. It's an audio book. I think you do a great job, and it's very clear, and it was very helpful. And uh, I thank you for spending time with me. I'm glad you enjoyed it. I can't wait to hear what you and your listeners apply it to, and that's been really fun as well. So I'm going to Vegas, and I'm applying it to the crap table. I'm telling you right now. (laughs) Continued success to you, Buzzy. Best to you and the family. Thank you. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because, you know, if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. 
Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps, because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. The Adam Farrar Podcast is brought to you by CruiseIntoWellness.com. Let's say you had a tough day at the Rite Aid. And then I get in the car, I drive home, I got to calm down. <laughs> <laughs> Do what I do. Take one of the gummies they have at cruiseintowellness.com. They also have edibles, tinctures, pain creams, bath products, pet products, and it's all made from hemp right here in the USA. They have the bath bubbly thing, a favorite of my wife. And I'll tell you what, 20% off with the coupon code ADAM. 20% off anything they have at cruiseintowellness.com. Go feel better. I'm Buzzy Cohen, and that was 30 minutes I will never get back. I really enjoy talking to Buzzy. Yeah, I, I like the first question you asked. How much money did you make? Yeah, how'd you do? <laughs> yeah, how'd you do? Adam. Yeah. So let me get let me let me be clear on this, Adam. So you're talking to this highly intelligent human being who won Jeopardy nine times mm-hmm. and you're <laughs> yeah, you ask him, Hey, how do they put those dividers up? Sure. <laughs> <laughs> that's what you ask him. Yeah, that's what you want to know about. Well, I just I didn't know if, if someone's looking at him like you're not looking at my paper, but they, they go up automatically. So, yeah. so, so there's no trust from the producers. Oh, there's no human behind them. No, you know, there's a Teamsters guy who's saying my job should be to turn the wheel and raise those things. Excuse All right? me, that's excuse me, idea. don't touch that. I'm the one. Yeah. All right. um, I just I'm so blown away by the way he prepared, mm-hmm. like. Having his trainer fire questions at him while he's doing yeah. pull-ups, you know, uh, like That's standing nice. up while he's watching the show, just getting every getting your body and mind ready to do battle. It was just, yeah, it was so comprehensive. The brilliant thing for me was setting his body clock. I'm like, oh, that that's smart. Yes, because I uh, remember we were shooting nights. What, what the hell movie was? We were in Boston. Mall cop. Yeah, we were shooting nights in Boston. So we so we didn't go to bed till six in the morning. Vampires. Yeah. And then, so we would come home. Alice would take a bath at six o'clock in the morning. I would. Normal people are going to work and I'm going to bed. So, and because I got to be up, you know, call time is like midnight and we're shooting all through the night or, or 10, 10 o'clock, whatever it was. So yeah, so setting, setting the body clock, I thought was, was brilliant, but that's what he was talking about. The context in which you do stuff in, it's uh, preparing yourself. It's like when you shoot a uh, multi-camera, which is the, uh, like the sitcom with the audience, mm-hmm. you rehearse, you know, you block and tape, but you rehearse all week. So you're doing the same scene. So I would go to wardrobe early and I would wear the wardrobe because you would find funny in the clothes. You could find funny, you know, being in that space. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, well, that's what he's talking about when he's like, I wanted to wear this suit because maybe I don't wear a suit all the time. And mm-hmm. so that's, I'm going to be wearing this there. And you know how that is. It's like it feels funny and you're thinking about how you're feeling in the suit as opposed to like, I'm ready for these questions. I'm ready to dominate. Yeah. Yeah, that spoke to me more than anything when he talked about wearing the suit. All Because if you don't normally wear a suit at your job and mm. then now you're in your job or, 
you know, you're on a show like Jeopardy and now you're forced to wear a suit. It can make you very stiff and uncomfortable and really take you out of your normal routine, you know? And so it's key. And when I did Leno, uh, when I was going over that set in comedy clubs, like over and over again, I wore a suit in the clubs, no matter if there was a hundred people or two, cause I wanted to get comfortable in that suit. Cause I don't wear a suit. Right. I don't wear a suit ever. Right. You know? And, and by the I, time I did the show, I was comfortable in the suit. So when he said that, I was like, oh, my God. Yeah, I get that. Yeah. And you had the ugliest tie I've ever seen. It was your tie. <laughs> I made, No, I gave you my tie. I know. You one, gave, yeah, you were fucking with me then. No, I wasn't fucking with you. I didn't want you going on TV like you look like some, a guy couldn't guess your weight. All right? <laughs> what? Oh, stop it. It was the ugliest friggin' tie in the world. And I said, you're not wearing that on TV. What's the matter? I've been rehearsing this tie. I go, the rehearsal's <laughs> over. Here, here's your show tie. I took my tie off and I gave it to him. Would it yeah, have a, like a moose on it? It was stupid. It was some friggin'. It have a moose on it. Yeah. <laughs> it, it was some knit tie. Did your grandmother knit that or some oh, shit? No, Barry's skinny. guy gave it to me. Uh, I don't know. It back. I got dressed. They dressed me. Yeah, yeah, those aren't good. No, it was no. terrible. Right, whatever, whatever. You know what I would do? Mm. I would watch game tape. <laughs> of, of I would get the best of. Right. And just watch other people and learn from them. Oh, okay. You oh, know, yeah, like, that's a good call. And because I didn't know mm. that the buzzer was that important. Oh, yeah. And you get timed out. Yeah. That stinks. I didn't. I just knew people would flip out. You would see them pushing the button. Son of a bitch! Yeah. You would just see <laughs> yeah, yeah, they My can, buzzer's they broken! Yeah. <laughs> this is bullshit! Trebek! I would yeah. complain too. Their whole, their whole body convulsed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're screwing me, Trebek! Yeah. I had that! I could have been on a price is right and I'm here doing this. It's fixed! It's fixed! <laughs> yeah, I didn't know about any of that stuff. Yeah. 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 So that's why I wanted to ask him. Mm -hmm. And 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 you know what else he did is he had, he had the courage to change uh when he stepped up to the tournament of champions. Rather How than about go, that? Yeah. Because he had he had gotten to the tournament champ. Like, he had won. Mm -hmm. And in his mind, he's like, yeah, but I kind of got by, yeah. you know, with a little luck and here and there. He's like, if I want to crush this, I got to really step it up. And that's, most people just be like, hey, I'm happy to be here, man. Whatever happens, happens. Yeah. But he had, he had the mind of a killer, man. It was just, that was really cool to hear. Yeah, he wasn't clinging to superstition out of fear. He was like, I yeah. got to do it this way. I got to do it this way. You Phil mean he didn't have lucky underwear? Yeah. Well, lucky underwear. Yeah, he didn't have he didn't have a rational adherence to uh, superstition. You know, he's yeah. like, well, I can, I, 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 I am confident in my ability to overcome rather than I don't want to screw anything up. Does that make any sense? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes, it does. Yeah, Phil, you're kind of superstitious. I am incredibly superstitious. I know. Actually, like, <laughs> with with, uh, with sports, like really superstitious. Yeah, but even by doing stuff, you're like, I don't want to change anything. I can't. I can't. You know, when when you were complaining about the uh, your. Uh, the insomnia. I go, well, Phil, just don't drink coffee before a show. I got to drink coffee before a show. It's tradition. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, go, no, I drink it on stage. I drink I coffee on stage. But, you, but you, you're done with your show at 12 o'clock. You slammed <laughs> a pot of coffee. I can't sleep. I There's something wrong with me. Really? <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. Yeah, but you, it took me years, and you still don't. You still won't go on without having a cup of coffee. I'm getting better, though. I don't have it after six. Well, it's because you haven't had a show in six months. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's true, too. And now I'm drinking a bowl of coffee. Yeah, yeah man. <laughs> but, yeah, having, having the, uh, the, 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 the courage and your ability to overcome is, uh, I think that, that, that's the best part of being prepared. I think. Well, I think when you are prepared, you kind of have that courage. Mm-hmm. You, you need I, to cram. You yeah. need to know, like, the capitals of all the worlds and yeah. 
the president and mm-hmm. all that kind of stuff. That's yeah. the obvious. Yeah, state capital, yeah, all that stuff. But then they hit you like, uh, who was the French king during <laughs> yeah. Yeah. some war? Yeah. <laughs> Whatever. This insect lives off the larva of other insects. <laughs> yeah. Okay, yeah. Oh, my God. I, I, know. I don't know how. Oh, thank God I read that off the Dixie Cup, yeah, you know? That's, yeah, that's why, that's why I like Wheel of Fortune after that. Are there any whys? Yeah. <laughs> you know, Adam, yeah. my secret dream is mm. for us to be on Family Feud. Me and you? Well, we have to get the rest of, of more of the family. But I don't know who oh, we oh, pick. Oh, oh, oh. I don't Our know family, pick. my yeah. family, your family. I think your family because they're more talkative. Yeah. Excuse and me. They're they're all, oh, yeah, yeah. Your mother on Family Feud? Are you yeah. kidding me? I don't think. Hold they, on. What? I thought I thought Phil and I were part of your podcast family. You so are. We, get to go we in still need one more. That. It's five people, so it's it's us four that. and my mother. Because <laughs> I want I want to see Steve Harvey tell my mother she's wrong. <laughs> <laughs> He doesn't know what the hell he's talking about. Yeah. <laughs> Get the hell out of here. What do you mean I'm wrong? That's, that's my answer. What, it, I don't care that it's not up there. It's correct. Yep. All right? <laughs> the survey is ridiculous. Yeah. Survey, the survey says. Survey, how about what I say? Yeah. Are you talking to the survey? You're talking to me, Mr. Mustache. <laughs> I love that, that show. I classic. love Family Feud. Yeah. You like Family Feud? I did. I like when Louie Anderson hosted it. Yeah, Louie was great. I, we got to yeah. get Louie on the show. Yeah, I would love that. Yeah, I love Louie. Show right. me cupcakes. All right, yeah, hold I would on. Love that. I come on, mention. come on. And But Richard Dawson, the original. The, yeah, kissing everybody I, on the mouth. I, I love, it was Newkirk from Hogan's Heroes. I love Richard Dawson. Yeah. You could tell that he was drinking while he was doing that. Yeah. Everybody was drinking at game shows in the 70s. Watch Match Game. They have yeah. glasses of scotch while they're answering yeah. questions. Yeah. <laughs> Match Game PN is sponsored by Cirrhosis. <laughs> Goodness. I liked uh yeah, Match Game was one of my favorite. Hollywood Squares was uh when I was a kid, you'd come home from from school, watch the Hollywood Squares and you thought Paul Lynn was just outgoing. You knew nothing about homosexuality. You just thought he was he was Center Square. He was Center the guy Square. you loved. Yeah. He just he was, he was some guy that just liked boat clothing. That's all you knew. <laughs> He's there in a captain's hat and an ascot. Yeah, he, he looked great. like he walked off a Montclair cigarette ad and he just made me laugh. <laughs> I, I'm a toss up between Price is Right and Let's Make a Deal. Oh, yeah? Because I know Price is Right, I got skills. Mm-hmm. But it's so much fun to dress up and search for stuff and like carry all this stuff yeah. with you just to, you know. You and then you have to pick the box and it, all the audience gets involved. Mm-hmm. Seems fun. All right, I'll tell you what, dress like a chicken. I'll give you $50 for a steak sandwich. <laughs> dress like a chicken. Good I love that yeah. when you'd be like, does anybody have a hard boiled egg in their pocket? Yeah. And somebody's, I do, I, I do. do. Yeah, a brown one. Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I will you give know, you, I will give you fifty dollars if anyone has an adult diaper. <laughs> <laughs> he, I got fired by Monty Hall. You did? What? I did. Yeah, I used to do the warm up for Let's Make a Deal. Actually, I did the warm up for Wheel of Fortune, and then I did Let's Make a Deal for one episode. <laughs> I got fired because I did a Monty Hall joke. Monty Hall had gotten mugged in New York and it was all over the news. Right. And when I was doing the warm up, he was there. I introduced him. I said, yeah, he's doing good. He, he, you know, everything's fine from New York. I go, but how do you, you can't, how do you mug Monty Hall? You know, the guy steps out. He's like, give me all the money. Okay. Here's one, two, three, <laughs> $500 in cash. Now you can keep the money or trade it in for whatever you have in the box, you know, and oh. uh, it kills, right? It's great. So the, st- the stage, yeah, it's a great joke. So the stage manager comes over and he goes, uh, M- Monty didn't like that joke. Uh. I'm like, what? 
Yeah, I don't do any Monty Hall jokes. I go, it killed. And I, I never went back again. Okay. Yep. It, it never went back. Again. It killed your job. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I, I'll take the joke to hell with Monty Hall. All right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I was ready to go in too. They're like, "Yeah, you're not working today." Oh man, <laughs> okay. That's cool. I'm gonna, I'll go spin the wheel then. <laughs> I spun the wheel one time when I worked for Wheel of Fortune. Yeah, how's it weighted? Is, yeah, is it heavy? No, it's light as hell. Oh. Yeah. but you know, I, I in, in my whole lifetime, I spun it one time just to fool around. Guess what came up? Bankruptcy. Bankrupt. Bankrupt. <laughs> <laughs> More than one. There you go. <laughs> there you go. He also said something I thought was interesting about perceived information and received information. Because you're going to ask people advice. Hey, what's it like? What's it like? What's it like? And then when you do something, you get the experience of doing something. So, Yeah, sometimes you just got to jump in. Yeah, you just got to jump in and do uh -huh. it. Because you don't, you know, I'm... someone's description of you paints a different picture in your head, you know. Mm -hmm. yeah. It's like what, I'll tell you, we, we uh, it was like on, on Top Gear, we had, uh, they put us in electric drag cars, right? So I had an electric drag truck. So the guy said, it's not like, you know, a regular engine. There's no pedal feel. Once you hit it, it's on. Okay. So, and there's so much power that comes, because it's instant torque coming from an electric motor. He says, there's so much power when, when the, uh, the force goes through the frame of the body, it twists the frame of mm -hmm. the truck. So you got to counter steer, because if you step on it, you're pretty much heading into the wall on the left. So I never hear the stories till now. Well, I... Goodness, <laughs> another death experience, well, I stepped on it and uh -huh. I counter steered. And you, you see, the, if you look at the episode, you see uh, Tanner and Rudd's face. Yeah, because yeah. I was like, I was like really close to the wall because oh, I counter steered man, just enough not to hit the wall. If I could reach you, I'd hit you. Yeah. <laughs> but, but that was received information. The perceived information after my experience was yeah. this: Holy shit, that was stupid. <laughs> <sighs> but I did it in low. I did it in low, low eleven. So I did it about one hundred twenty miles an hour. So well, that cool. was good. Yeah, and in a metal, in a and all you hear is the twisting of the metal and me screaming because there's Great. no motor. That's all you hear. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Screw you, Tesla. <laughs> <laughs> right. That's oh, that's great. funny. Hmm. So, yeah, so that was uh, the perceived information was the instructions I got. The received information was, the, oh, now I know how to do it. <laughs> you know what else I like? When he got done, he was like, what else you got? And he started, his trainer, he, he trained for eight months or whatever he said to deadlift. Yes. And I asked him, I said, well, what the hell made you pick that? Guy had a trophy up. I'm like, thank God he wasn't a rodeo clown. You know? <laughs> <laughs> what, he's a deadlift champ? Yeah, he mm -hmm. said, I, I want to train to do this, and he, he committed himself to it. And I was like, you know, if I was going to commit myself to months for doing something, it wouldn't be deadlifting. You did. You what? Remember when you boxed? Oh, yeah, when I was boxing? Yeah. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> my first sparring fight. Because when you're hitting the bag and you start moving, you're like, you're feeling good. You got a hook, you hook jab, you get working on my feet. So I was working on my footwork, and I was in pretty good shape. I said, yeah, my trainer, Clay, mm -hmm. said, ah, right, you want spars? Yes, yeah. so he got me a sparring guy. I landed a few, I'm like, Pff. I'm like, wow, that's great. Then I went out. This guy punched me in the face. <laughs> and I went, oh, hold it. What the hey. hell am I doing? What are you doing? I said, I'm not, not done with it. What the hell's wrong with you? <laughs> Cut. Stop. That's it. Cut. He goes, you were training. I said, I was, I was training because I have a double chin on camera. I'm not trained <laughs> to fight me, buddy. <laughs> this guy punched me in the face. He's like, that's that he goes, that's what it's about. I go, not for me. I'm done. You win. <laughs> that's when reality steps in. That's when reality steps in. I said, all right, enough with the training. Give me the pie. 
<laughs> give me the pie. Enough with the training. Give me the pie. That was it. <laughs> I would, if I was going to commit to something for a couple of months, mm-hmm. we're now, I'd, I'd plan a robbery. What? Come that's on, what Adam. I'd, that's what I would do. If I'm going to sit down and map something out, let's 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 no. take out okay. a Brinks truck. Right. Uh, no. You know, I, what, what, you know what I just thought to myself? What, what? is my role in this? You're, you're the distraction. <laughs> you're the distraction. Okay. We're, right, we're going to be outside? No. Forget forget the Brinks truck. We're going to hit a Rite Aid. As soon as you walk in, you're fa- they probably got your face from the security. Yep. Uh-huh. They probably go, there I'll he the, is. I'll be the one that goes to jail. There he is. That's part of the plan, right? There's the guy that's mean to his husband, and is in, <laughs> he's, he's incontinent and mean to his husband. <laughs> You just want to plan out and have one of those little scales, and you build a little yeah. Rite Aid, yeah. and you like have a bulletin board, yes. and you're like, okay, this is the plan. Yes, that's and all I, you want. And I want all you guys yep. to come in. You're, you're, no. you're going to knock out the you're going to knock out the cameras. You're the computer lady. Oh, with the um, with the yeah spray paint that goes. Yeah, you're going to okay. do everything. Mm-hmm. All right, I'm going to train you to so you can so you can like Catherine Zeta Jones doing the gymnastics through the laser beams. I don't think oh, Rite yeah. Aid has laser beams. The ones we're oh. robbing are. Okay. The one, this is the one. The one we're gonna rob has laser yeah. beam. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and it has Faberge eggs in the back. That's why we're gonna hit it. Okay. Mm. All right, Stern. Yeah. Chocolate Faberge eggs. Chocolate Faberge eggs. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's what you guys. Them all. You're you're gonna be the muscle. Start working out. <laughs> you got it. I might need I'm you in. to snap a neck. <laughs> snap a neck. All right. Phil, I'm in. Just whine like you usually do, and you'll be fine. <laughs> the fuck. There it is. Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> You're funny. Adam. I whine when I'm with you. <laughs> That's when I whine. And Adam, are you the are you the wheel man? That's me. Yeah, you got to be right. You got to be sitting outside in the car waiting for That's, us. I'm going to be an electric dragster, ready to counter steer when the shock waves go through the frame. Don't you worry. Yeah. Uh-huh. And I'm the one going in. Get in there. I'm the one going in. <laughs> yes, you are. I'm the one going in. You're the one You're screaming. Going- <laughs> what was that? <laughs> That's that's Phil getting upset. <laughs> what am I saying? Yeah, I can't make out what you were yelling there, Phil. It sounded like sawbones. Oh, sound like all aboard. Sound like all aboard. Yeah, all aboard. Sorbonne. Maybe it's a sorbonne. Maybe we're <laughs> talking about the board. <laughs> Bring out of here. <laughs> I want to thank my guest, Phil. Buzzy Cohen. Uh, his book is called Get Ready. Um, honey, if they want to get a hold of us, where do they go? The Adam Ferrara at Gmail. Yes, and our show's growing, and I want to thank you guys for being such loyal fans. If you get a chance to tell a friend, that will help us out a great deal, as well as leaving a review. Yes, darling. And if you want to be fan of the week, email us and let us know. Oh, yeah, okay. If you want a super fan shout-out, email us, let us know. Uh, okay, guys, uh, please remember life is hard. Take it easy on yourself. Pot has ended. Don't be. And everybody turns their head. And who do they look at? Me. <laughs> I'm the one standing. No, it's him. He's got the, I'm dead, dead. I don't know what to say. What's wrong with that man? Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because, you know, if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. 
Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. You can host the best backyard barbecue. When you find a professional on Angie to make your backyard the best around. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Inside to outside. Repairs to renovations. Get started on the Angie app or visit Angie.com today. You can do this when you Angie that. 